0: Our Bible reading this morning is Exodus 33, 12 through 23. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand and a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. God bless the reading of his
1: word. In looking at this story from Moses in Exodus today, I get the feeling Moses is just about this short of burnout and has just about had enough, really. Uh, and I love Moses. Moses has the just the most wonderful relationship with God. They have, they have the kind of intimacy uh, I would really uh, like to hold up as a model for our relationship with God because... If you go back, I kind of have to go back in this story to see why I think Moses has just about had enough. And if you go back a chapter or two, uh, Moses, you know, Moses went up, he got the Ten Commandments, he's on, he's on his way down. In the middle of, in the middle of the whole conversation they're having about the Ten Commandments, God says, you gotta go down and do something about your people. Because they have gone off their nut and they've built themselves an idol. And sure enough, Moses goes down there and everyone was wondering why Moses was gone so long. And they said, you know what, we need a God we can touch, we can follow, a God that is tangible. And so they threw all their gold together and they manufactured this calf. And they, they sacrificed offerings to this golden calf. And then they had a big party which was full of debauchery and all kinds of crazy stuff, and uh, and worshipped this calf. And that's when Moses comes back down the mountain, and finds these people in this decadent revelry, and throws the Ten Commandments down to the ground, and they bust into a bunch of pieces, and is just livid, and he chews out Aaron. Aaron tries to make excuses. <laughs> And he gets mad at the the whole people. It gets a little violent, as a matter of fact. And God says, "You know what? I am I'm gonna I'm gonna do away with these people. I'm I've had enough. You go on down." And and Moses kind of talks God out of it. Now, God, don't fr- you've made a promise. You made a promise to these people, and you told them that. You told Abraham that that his descendants would inherit a land, and Moses says, "Let me let me try and deal with him a little bit, but hold off on this wrath thing. Hold off on this, you know, wipe out business." And so God talks, and this is the kind of, wouldn't that a, what a great relationship? God talk, or Moses talks God out of smiting everybody, and says, "Let, let me go talk to him." And of course, then then Moses is so angry, he, he's almost ready to smite him himself and the the story goes that the the text in the in thirty three or right before this text uh, goes into this business about how Moses used would go into a tent that was just outside the the little tent city they had put together just outside the camp and when Moses went toward that, everyone came out and stood in the doorway of their tent, and when a pillar of Uh, Clouds and fire descended on the tent. Moses went into the tent and spoke with God. And when Moses was in the tent speaking with God, everyone bowed toward the tent. I don't know why Exodus puts that right there, but for some reason they put that right there to to point out that Moses had this kind of intimate relationship that Moses would go in and have a conversation with God in this tent. And then we're told that Moses kind of goes back up to the mountain. And God says, you know what? I want you to pack up and move out of Sinai and go and claim the land that I promised to Abraham. The promised land. A a land flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. But I'm not going with you. This is where Moses kind of snaps. He says, what do you mean? You're not going with me. (laughs) You told me to lead these people you told me you had favor on me you told me you knew my name from before i was born and you showed me your name i thought we were in this together i'm not feeling it god and moses says if you don't go if we go into the promised land without you what are the neighbors going to think they're going to come in and just take over and kick us out and kill us all we need you to go with me. And Moses says, if you don't go, don't send us away from here. Because I ain't going. I'm not doing it. God says, okay, okay, okay relax. <laughs> Fine, I'll go with you. Because you're right. I, I called you to do this. seems fair that I go with you. So, Moses, and Moses is so... Lathered up. He doesn't believe him. If you don't go, I ain't going. Let me emphasize that. <laughs> and I want, I want some proof. I want some sign. I want you to show me something that's going to convince me that this is, we, we're simpatico here. Show me your glory, Moses says. Show me your glory. God says, uh, You're asking a lot. <laughs> I'm with, you know my name and I know your name. Here's what I'll do. I will will hide you in the cleft of the rock. My hand will shield you from the full impact of my glory, because you can't really handle that business. And then I will pass in front, and as I remove my hand, you can see as I go away. As I, Moses says, "Okay, I'll take it. Close enough." fascinating it's, a, it's an interesting story of intimacy between God and Moses and uh, you know on one hand Moses is always talking God into not smiting God's people and then there's other places in Exodus where Moses comes to God and says God wipe them out now go ahead and do it and and God says no 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 Moses it's going to be okay <laughs> <We're> gonna... <laughs> uh, I love that kind of relationship they have where they're kind of working together on this but a face-to-face encounter with God seems to be drawing a line in the sand now you know just because we got it like this doesn't mean we're equals and and the other thing is i think moses just wants that black and white that certainty beyond a shadow of a doubt i want to know exactly what's going on exactly who you are exactly how you work exactly where we're going and what you want from me i want all the answers listed out and i want to know what you are expecting and then we'll talk about how that's going to go. Uh, uh, you know, Moses seems to be wanting to take control and and wants to alleviate any ambiguity about what the future holds. And oh, you know, I can relate to that. How often do we want to eliminate the ambiguity and we want those black and white, for sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, proof. These days we I got people all the time talking about wanting proof about God and God's activities and who God loves and who God doesn't and I can tell you this that a lot of churches out there go out of their way to say we can give you that. <laughs> We're happy to give you those black and white answers. We're happy to give you the list of do's and don'ts. We're happy to give you all of the answers you're looking for if you just come and and all you got to do is just sign on the bottom line and and believe that everything's going to work this way and it's going to work this way and they they would love to tell you exactly how it's going to go and uh sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't i gotta say that but uh a lot of churches out there claim to have the answers but we hear in this text today that god doesn't work that way God doesn't just pop up and, you know, and sometimes I wonder why not. God doesn't just pop in here and go, you know what, here it is. You, you know, you stop drinking. You stop doing this. And, and if you do this 10 years from now, you're going to be great and your children will be wonderful and beautiful. If you just do that, you know, and then goes out the door to the next church. That isn't how it works. That isn't how God works. God invites us into the chaotic mystery of of ambiguity. The chaotic mystery of how this all comes together. The chaotic mess of a mystery as to how when we love one another and we love God, it transforms the world. God says, I'm willing to show you some glory, but I'm not going to give you all the answers. And part of me thinks, the, the reason God doesn't do that is because God's not planned out all the answers. I think God in, in the very first part of creation calls us into shaping the story along with God. Invites us into the story and to be part of it and to help move it along. So in a lot of ways, I think God is saying, you know, you tell me what the answers are. You tell me where we're going with this thing. The other thing is, I think God wants us to live in faith. The author of Hebrews tells us that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. You can't call it faith if you have certainty. You can't call it hope if it's already realized. You can't call it Uh, You can't call it, uh, well, faith again. (laughs) (laughs) If you think you know all the answers. Something else. But faith requires for us to be comfortable with the ambiguity of knowing that God is taking us somewhere, but we're not always sure where. There's a lot of ways uh, many scholars have, have spent time Kind of pondering what what did Moses what did this mean in Exodus when it says that Moses beheld the back of God as God moved away and you know there's a lot of parsing of Hebrew that I won't get into right now but uh, many scholars have had kind of different reflections on this. Some have said, "Well, you know, are they seeing the back? You know, is it, do they mean to imply that what he, that God has this body? You know, I mean, we're talking about his hand, talking about his face, talking about God moving away and seeing the back. Of, is it the back of his head that we're observing? Now, some some scholars have said that perhaps it's uh, the the Hebrew suggests that what we're looking at is God's backside, as if Moses were being mooned, right? And I, don't, you know." The Scriptures are not above that kind of crass humor. We've, <laughs> I've seen it around there. But I don't know how helpful that is. Uh, how, you know, and what a It's not a very nice image, I've got to say. But I don't know how helpful that is for Moses' uh, sight. I prefer there is one understanding of the Hebrew in this passage that says that you, Moses is not looking at the back of God but rather seeing where God has been. And seeing what God has left behind as a result of being there. That is the glory that Moses beholds. And I like that. I like that notion because it invites us to look and see where God has been in our life, in our world, in our church, in our kindred. Where has God been? And invites us to follow after. And that's the assurance that God is with us. Not that God is following us into the promised land, but that God is leading us into the promised land. Amen? And we are invited to see where when when it's feeling dark when it's feeling like the weight is too heavy to carry when it's feeling like where is God in the middle of all of this when it's feeling like you can't stand it anymore like Moses perhaps and you're wanting some answers we are invited to look at where God has been my wife is good about this when I start grousing about well about you all uh, (laughs) she looks at me she goes you know hey you're missing all this and this and this and this. And look how much this is going on. I start looking at And she, she invites me to list out literally all the blessings that are going on and all the things that are going right and all the things that people are doing. She gets me every time with this. <laughs> but God, like Katie, invites us to see where God has been. If you want to know where God is taking you, look your life and see where God has been and then follow where God is going. It's my prayer that we can do that as individuals in relationship with God, as a world of, uh, of humans who are trying to figure it out and as a church that is working so hard to be faithful to what God has in store for us. This is our invitation to to see where God has been at work and to follow God where God is going. O oh, great and loving God, the author and perfecter of our faith, Paul reminds us that we, right now, we see as in a glass dimly. We will know face to face someday. But right now, this dim glimpse of Your glory is enough. May we choose to follow where You have been and experience Your glory as we do. We ask all these things in the powerful name of Christ.